world today is driven by fear. Fear is a powerful emotion. It's the chink in your armor that the enemy uses to control you. The Apostle John wrote that the whole world lies in the sway of the wicked one who, with the world wide web at his disposal, now has a distribution network like never in history. So many different voices with twisted truth designed to keep you off balance and driving you to learn more and more. Is it bringing you peace? Are you weary? Are you finding it harder to be still and to hear the still small voice of the one who loves you? So grab your favorite beverage, find a quiet place and join Banner Kid for the Love is Calling podcast. Let's focus on Jesus, the lover of our souls. Hey everybody, this is Banner, and uh, this is a reboot, if you want to call it that. And I believe it's necessary given that my life has been rebooted by the Spirit of the living God. Since He made it clear to me that I must return to my first love, that being Jesus or Yeshua, if you prefer to call Him by Hebrew name. As for the name, I'm not dogmatic about it. I don't believe anyone can be. As a matter of fact, I don't believe dogmatism has any place in true Christianity anyway. Love is what is important to God. He is love, right? His love for us, our love for Him, and our love for our brothers and sisters is what's important. He is the lover of our soul. You know, I love that old praise song. I've done it several times, actually uh, considering maybe doing a cover version of that, recording it. But it says, Jesus, lover of my soul, Jesus, I will never let you go. You've taken me from the miry clay, set my feet upon the rock, and now I know I love you, I need you, and though my world will fall, I will never let you go. My Savior, my closest friend, I will worship you until the very end. Yes, indeed. Though my world will fall, I'll never let you go. You know, my world has fallen down around me in a lot of ways. Uh, we lost our oldest daughter to cancer June of 2020, and uh, that was a devastating thing in our lives. Without uh, the love of Jesus, Yeshua, I can say for myself, I wouldn't be here today. I couldn't have handled that. But the lover of my soul has seen me through that and strengthened me and given me more faith and shown me that I had walked away. I had actually left him, my first love. He spoke to me through Revelation chapter 2 uh, back a few years ago, and he brought it home very, very clearly to me during the time when uh, we lost our daughter. We've had a lot of tragedy in our family. Those of you who know me know our family. You know about some of that. I've written about it in a book called Laura's Healing Journey, the Laura Kid Pain Story, and uh, it is available on Amazon if you're interested in finding out more about that, but that's not the purpose of this podcast. So by His grace at work through His Spirit of Truth, I hope that this podcast, the Love is Calling podcast, will continue to focus on Jesus, on His love while calling out all Everything and anything and even anyone who stands in the way of people entering into his love, entering into his rest by receiving his love. So, I have some questions today. These are questions posed to me by the Spirit. 
many of these, he's uh, asked me while I'm laying awake in bed at night or, or in the morning, sometimes around 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. The thing about questions, though, especially when they're from God, is whether you're willing to set aside the notion that you already know the answer. I've had to deal with that. It's something he's been teaching me. Something I have to remind myself of is this. Banner, you simply don't know what you don't know. Listen, folks, you're no different than me. Consider this. Think about it. Let this sink in. No manner of pretending will change the fact that you don't know what you don't know. There's so much that we surmise. There's so much that we think we know when in reality we really don't. I, and I hope you too, must simply be honest about it and admit it. But I think we all have a fear of being wrong or being humble enough to even admit we probably are wrong. Admitting that we don't know something is considered a weakness, but I think we often forget what the Bible tells us about weakness. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, Paul writes, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly I will boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And also in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27, Paul writes, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Now, if you will please just take a couple of minutes. I'm going to play just a little short instrumental here. And then if you would kind of say la, as the psalmist writes, what I've said so far, and I'll see you just on the other side with my questions.
Okay, glad you stuck around, and I hope you enjoyed that little bit of music and you're ready for these questions. Again, these are questions that the Spirit asked me and uh, very gently has asked me over the past almost two years now. I left Messiah Fellowship in July of 2020, and uh, I had been there for nearly 27 years. It would have been 27 years in August that uh, we began attending Messiah Fellowship. At that time, it was called Maranatha Christian Fellowship, then became Calvary Christian Fellowship before changing to Messiah Fellowship. And a good part of my time there, I served in ministry, worship ministry, I believe going all the way back to 1994, off and on, uh, uh, mostly on. And from 2003 until I left, I served as an elder Uh, I was a teaching elder, taught Sunday school, and all of those things. In around 2000, we began to pursue more of a Torah kind of observant kind of a a perspective. And we dug deeper into that and deeper into that and deeper into that. In 2007, we became a full-blown Sabbath gathering, Sabbath-keeping Torah, and I'll say it this way, a Torah-ruled fellowship and uh, some things about that, the Father had been speaking to me, and uh, I kept kind of pushing it back until my daughter Laura passed away, and all of it became more clear. The Father would not let me push it to the back burner anymore, and I had to deal with it. But having said all of that, when I left and began to come out of the fog to begin to hear the voice of uh, the Spirit more clearly without all of the other competing voices— he began to ask me these questions, and uh, and I believe he wants me to uh, pose these questions to you, and it's something for you to consider. So uh, let's get started. First of all, do we in our local assemblies, our churches, our faith groups, our home groups, uh, whatever it might be, whatever you want to call it, do we have a unity of shared doctrinal positions or the unity of the Spirit in love? Do we have a unity of shared doctrinal positions, or is it the unity of the Spirit in love? Now, posing this question a little further regarding the many social media kinds of assemblies uh, that are out there, uh, for example, the many Facebook groups, and I have been, uh, I have engaged in some of these, so I, I know them firsthand. Uh, is your Facebook group experiencing a unity of shared doctrinal positions, or are they experiencing the unity of the Spirit in love? Now, whether a local assembly or an online group, is there peace? Or is there quarreling over doctrinal positions, quarreling over Torah? Uh, And we know from uh, the letter that Paul wrote to Titus that uh, we are to reject the man who wants to quarrel about Torah. That's not something that Paul saw as a good thing. So now, back to our questions. Is Jesus or Yeshua, uh, whatever name that you're using at this particular time, Is he your king? Or has he just become, in your mind, the facilitator of your kingdom, the one that you're building? More to the point, who truly rules your life? 
your personal world? Is it your doctrine or is it Jesus who gives doctrine? Now, doctrine means pretty much means teaching, right? Okay. You could take that word back to Torah, which means instruction. So, again, think about this question in that light. Who truly rules your life, your personal world? Is it your teaching, your instruction, or is it Yeshua who gives teaching, who gives instruction? If doctrine written on stone or any other medium, was or is sufficient, why does Jesus have to be the living word? Further, why would he send his spirit, the spirit of truth, if truth written on stone or otherwise was sufficient? Why send his spirit to indwell us as believers if we are sufficient uh, to interpret and reign in the administration of what is written on stone or on pages of the book. Has man ever achieved success in that endeavor since listening to the serpent in the garden? Does he now? So, who does reign? Who does rule in your life? Is it you? Now let's dig a little deeper and look at some scripture to consider along with the questions. Uh, Is Yeshua... Jesus, the living Son of the living God, the living Word, is He your King? Now, Isaiah prophesied in chapter 9 concerning the coming one uh, upon his shoulders. uh, It says the government and administration shall be. Uh, And it says that uh, his right ruling or his judgment will never cease. It will never end. Now, consider that. Right ruling, judgment. Now, Those words that are used there are the exact same words that are used when you go back to Exodus chapter 21, verse 1, when uh, Moses is commissioned to bring right ruling, to bring judgment to the children of Israel, considering that Moses was the mediator at that time. Remember that? He was put in between Israel and and God himself, because they refused to listen to him. We're going to read that here just in a moment. But we know if we believe what is written in the book of Hebrews, and I know some don't, uh, but uh, Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant, okay? Moses was a mediator from before. Moses uh, is no longer the mediator. Uh, we can't have two mediators, can we? And But if we attempt to sit on Moses' seat, here's a question for you. Then if we're attempting to sit on Moses' seat and administer the Torah written on pages and written on stone, uh, are we not supplanting the true mediator? A good question for you. Now, let's consider that prophecy through Moses of the coming prophet and Messiah who is to reign in the administration of the word of God. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, and beginning in verse 15, it reads, The Lord your God, Yahweh your Elohim, will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear. According to all you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, what they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you 
from among their brethren, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. Are you listening to the prophet who was foretold of whom God said, whoever will not hear my words which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him? Or are you in the reign of man or the reign of women who heap knowledge and administer and reign in their own doctrine, their own instruction, their own interpretation, their own teaching? Is that not where sectarianism comes from? Do we hear Papa God, who spoke concerning his son when he was transfigured along with Moses and Elijah. Those two, Moses and Elijah, who appeared with Yeshua, appeared with Jesus, represented the law and the prophets. And Papa spoke clearly. Here's Jesus, the living word, the one foretold by, uh, by God through Moses that we should listen to. Here he is appearing alongside the representatives of the law, of the Torah, and the prophets. And he said clearly, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. That's Luke 9.35. Jesus came proclaiming what? The reign of Elohim, right? Our traditional vernacular via our English translations is the kingdom of God. But Yeshua said that, this is not his kingdom. This earth and all that's in it still lies in the sway of the wicked one. So what kingdom is he referring to? As king, where does he rule? As great high priest, where does he serve? Where is his temple, his house? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Again, do you know where King Jesus reigns? Do you know where your great high priest serves? Who do you submit to? Who is your sovereign? What about your assembly, your church? Jesus, Yeshua said, upon this rock, I will build my assembly, my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That rock is the rock who is Christ, the Messiah. Is he not? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians about sectarianism. He tells of groups of people gathered around their favorite teacher who most aligned with their personal doctrine most likely. Each sect experienced a unity within it. Their unity was a unity of shared doctrine. Did their shared doctrine rule their community? Does man in a sect built upon a unity of shared doctrine then defend their distinctive and keep out anyone who might question them? Is this isolationism and exclusion based on a perceived elitism? Is theirs the true body of Messiah exclusive of others? Doesn't that question have to be honestly asked in our hearts? 
The kingdom of God ruled by the spirit of truth, the spirit of Messiah, Jesus, Yeshua, the spirit of Elohim, the God of love, is not divided into sectarian groups based on personal doctrine. Is it? Is he? Let me ask that again. The kingdom of God, ruled by the spirit of truth, who is the spirit of Messiah, who is Jesus, the spirit of Elohim, the God of love, is he divided into sectarian groups based on personal shared doctrine? Asking further, of which kingdom do you belong? Who is your sovereign? Who leads you into all truth? Are you led to love? Who sits on the throne of your life? Whom do you fear? Whom do you love? Who can deliver you? Who alone knows what his father has told him to tell you? Does the letter of death and condemnation rule your life? Or are you ruled by the Spirit of the living God, who is the living Word, who is the prophet foretold through Moses? Are you still trying to figure out Moses? Or are you listening to Christ, Messiah, as God himself commanded? Are you coming and bowing at the seat of Moses, seeking right rule in your life? Or are you boldly going before the throne of grace, the throne of our great high priest, Jesus, Yeshua, seeking grace and help in time of need? Yes, we have such a great king and great high priest who is love and alive and full of compassion. Paul asks in Galatians chapter 3 a very important question, and this is to those listening who are born again from above. If you believe you're born again from above, you know that in your heart, like me, uh, and have chased shadows down a a well-worn path to nowhere. That's what I did, and this question really hit home. Paul asks this, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? You must answer these questions. I had to. We all do. It's much like the question that Jesus asked his disciples. Who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Son of the living God. What did Messiah say in response to him? Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, Peter, Kepha, but my Father in heaven And he goes on to say, and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Who reveals Jesus or Yeshua, if you will, to you? Is it the spirit? God is spirit, right? Who is the rock? Is it Peter or is it Christ? The rock that went before and followed Israel in the wilderness. Did not Paul tell us that clearly? And finally, whose church is it? And who builds the church? Is Jesus again, the prophets foretold, who would be like Moses? Again, whose church is it? Who builds the church? Is it Jesus, the prophet foretold? who would be like Moses, not Moses, but like Moses, chosen of God, to whom the people must hear, 
Again, did not the Father say of Jesus, of Yeshua, this is my son, listen to him? I've asked a lot of questions, and I hope you will carefully consider them. I pray that we can all lay aside our private interpretations, and uh, may we each determine to know nothing among one another, as Paul said, other than Jesus and him crucified. May we be of the sort who proclaim the foolishness of the cross and the good news, the gospel of Yeshua of Jesus. May we give space for him to work in and through each of us and be about building his church. It's his job, isn't it? Didn't he say so? We can build alongside him, but as Paul said, remember, we are to build only on the one true foundation laid, and that is Jesus. It is by his Spirit at work in each of us, right? Can we agree to stay out of his business? Let me ask that again. Can we agree to stay out of his business? I truly believe when we focus on him, and as the old folks said, stop majoring on the minors, but remain in his love, we will find unity. Our unity won't be in shared doctrine, but in our love for him and for one another. And by his Spirit's work of grace in and through us, that will happen. May we each seek the lover of our souls and worship him. He is love, and love is calling. Will you hear? Will you turn to him, forsaking all others? That wedding language, that marriage ceremony language really fits. Will you turn to him? Will you cling to him, forsaking all others? This is Banner. So long for now. If you've been encouraged by this podcast, please subscribe to Love is Calling and tell your friends to check it out. If you have any questions, email banner at bannerkid.com. That's B-A-N-N-E-R at B-A-N-N-E-R-K-I-D-D dot com. And join us for future episodes of Love is Calling as we continue to focus on Jesus, the lover of our souls. Music.